Hi, this is Pedro Rico. I'm the founder of PlayerPro, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. It's me, your host, I'm Paul Kemp. And I know that you have a big problem. One of of the problems that I hear time and time again is the inability to market. Market either yourself or the apps that you're developing uh, or the business that you're involved with. And marketing is such an enormous topic. So that's why I'm thrilled to have this next guest on our show. Uh, Her name is Moran Halavi. And uh, you can find her if you go to Prontoly. Now that's Pronto, P-R-O-N-T-O, Pronto.ly. Uh, Lee. And uh, uh, she is the co-founder of that company. And we're thrilled that you could join us, uh, Moran, on uh, the App Guy podcast. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me. So could you take a minute or two just to tell us a little bit about yourself and Prontoly and uh, what you're trying to do and how it affects um, us as marketers, you know, marketing our, ourselves? Okay, Um So a little bit about myself. I'm probably the last thing that would come to mind when you think about a typical entrepreneur. I have a bachelor's degree in art history and in Asian studies. And then I have an MBA in in, uh, information sciences that I did in South Korea. So I actually ended up in startups entirely by mistake. Um, I came back uh, to my home country after finishing my MBA. And I decided I wanted to do something a little bit different. Uh, Israel is renowned for its startup scene. So I was lucky enough to be taken on to a company here. And for the last five years, I've been growing in this field. I specialize as a marketer working with companies in the B2B space. Um, So how they take their product and they market it to other companies. Prontoly is exactly that type of a company. We develop and we market contactless connectivity solutions for retail and for finance markets. So essentially what we are here to eliminate is when you come into with your smartphone to Starbucks and you want to pay for your cup of coffee, the last thing that you want to happen is for the retailer now to start asking you, what type of phone do you have? Can you have a QR code? Can you read a barcode? Would you mind punching in a, um, a username and password? We know how to automatically recognize any device in front of any point of sale, in front of any PC, in front of any tablet, regardless if you have the best phone out there or if you have a very, very old Android. That's in a nutshell what we do. That is amazing. Now, I love what's coming out of Israel. I know that there's a lot lot of payment solutions, a huge uh, innovative uh, community over there developing solutions for payment. And uh, what is it with Israel right now? Is it because there's a lot of funding in, in, in in that space or is it just do you feel that there's... The, the, the technology you have, really good access to the internet. and uh, what, what is it about uh, that, that's happening with Israel well, right in now? General, Israel, in general, I would say regarding this entire entrepreneurial space, we're grown, our entire education system is built upon learning how to learn and not learning for the sake of learning. Um, so we all the time find ourselves in these ecosystems where you're required to innovate, you're required to question, and this really does start 
from first grade going up into our army service and then afterwards in real life when we go and look for jobs asking questions is in a really big part of our culture here specifically in the finance space though um, I think we're seeing in the last two years um, the results of uh, how mobile penetration is changing the financial ecosystem and how the 2008 financial crisis is changing the financial ecosystem. And maybe there's more entrepreneurs in Israel specifically, but most likely this is a global event. Well, I know I love the country. I did actually end up going to uh, Jerusalem and having a bike ride uh, through the country to Elat for charity. And uh, it was one of the the best um, journeys I've, I've had. Stayed on a kibbutz as well, which was uh, talk about community, although there wasn't a huge amount of mobile stuff going on at the kibbutz. <laughs> so, uh, um, so Moran, let's talk about um, how then, I mean, my intro was how we can help people market. And you, you said that that's, you, you help businesses do B2B marketing. What uh, suggestions or advice have you got for the the Appster tribe listening to this right now to, to help them market better to um, B2B? Okay, so I'm going to try and do this by examples. I find it more fruitful to look at a real company with a real problem than in general throwing, out, throwing around words like uh, engagement and ROI. So um, I know an algo trading company. Um, they're essentially dealing with uh, investing money for their customers and offering them absolute returns regardless if it's a rising or a falling market. Now they're now looking to hire a marketing professional for that company and part of that position would be sales, part of that position would be direct marketing towards the customers, um, finding the leads, identifying them, bringing them to the table. And that's probably going to be like 90% of their work. But then 10% of of their work as a marketer in that kind of a company would be really to explore different verticals that have synergies with the company's domain but are not exactly what they're doing. And what would be that, for example? A marketer coming into that kind of a company can write white papers, um, a 101 guide, an idiot's guide to arbitrage markets. And these things are things that are always searched for on the internet. Um, how do I calculate bond perpetuities? Um, if I now have $100,000 and I want to invest them, what can I do? Someone who's starting off in this market who would be potentially down the road, could be your customer, is looking for these terms. And so the question is, how do you start generating content that is very, very interesting to them? And so if you're developing a game, I would say, you know, why don't you look and see if I want to develop my own game, what would what would, what would be the resources that someone out there would be doing? And it could be that you'll find your customers by letting them in on your design process, saying, we have this really cool character. Look how we drew it. We're going to teach you now how to draw this character. Say Angry Birds. Um, there's so many different things that you can do that aren't going to immediately translate into ROI. And I'm specifically on purpose focusing here on content marketing, not the stuff that you're going to go and throw money at. But I'm looking at what are the unique things, what are these purple cows that you can create um, that bring added value. So contests are a really good way, especially for gaming companies. But if you look at the B2B, try and identify where are the things that hurt you. And those are the places where you'll be able to connect to your your customers. 
Moran, this is so powerful because this is connecting uh, so many themes. I mean, your episode 134 and uh, throughout this entire series, we've been uh, exploring uh, the fact that a lot of the successful startup founders on this show have uh, solved real problems. And of course, to find real problems, the the easiest and most obvious starting point is your own company and uh, to look internally and then to actually document that process. And I guess you're talking about content marketing by uh, writing blogs, uh, writing solutions to some of those uh, those problems that you've found internally and helping helping others. Uh, and that's the other long-standing theme of this show is, is you benefit by helping others, by solving others' problems, uh, and you build up trust in that. So uh, w- w- is that fair? Is that, that That's kind of what you're talking about with regards to content marketing. It, it's like, um, I mean, you say don't look a gift horse in the, mouth, uh, in the mouth. When you're generating content, when you're generating value, give it. Don't be afraid to let your information flow out towards customers, towards people who might never be your customers. Maybe they'll be brand evangelists. Maybe they'll just like you. Maybe they'll decide that one day they're going to write a PPT in their business course about you. It's not right to look at a customer and say, what is he worth? Because once you try and do that, you've segmented him too much. And you're probably missing out on markets that make a lot of sense. So I would say, look at what you can give. Figure out what you can give. Give it out freely. If you're great, creating great content, customers will come to you. And once you have customers, then you know how to segment them. Then you know how to profile them. Then you know how to make a business model out of them. But if you start with the business model, it's sometimes very, very difficult to reach the customer because you've already tainted the way you look at your ecosystem even before you started out. You know, that's... Moran, let's pick up one of the things here because uh, I, I need to help the, my Appster tribe listening to this right now. And one of the ways we can help is to almost uh, give, uh, empower them with the arguments for having this free flow of information. And I can imagine that you've approached many of your clients and many of the people that you work with. And you've, uh, you know, as you've said to us just now, um, that there's a real powerful thing about just letting your information flow out. You must have had some obstacles to overcome to, uh, to convince people that that's the right thing to do. How, you know, when people kind of get scared and, and maybe um, ob- object to that approach what how do you overcome that how do you overcome the objections to uh, being transparent and uh, just letting the information flow out to be fair here i will say that if your company or your application is based on a certain patent if you have a specific ip that you're protecting you should be intelligent about what you are saying and what you are not saying i think it's fair to say that no app developer will let someone see their actual code That's one thing. Um, But I think it's also fair to say that an app developer has nothing to lose by opening a certain segment up to it, a certain segment of it up, say, if they go to a hackathon, if they want to allow people to innovate on their platform. You do need to keep a little bit of it secret, and that's essentially your secret sauce. But by empowering other people to succeed, especially if those people are willing to say, this guy helped me out. This guy was fundamental to achieving the milestone I needed. I'm, I believe in karma. I mean, it comes around at some point. I love that. Yeah, I very much do as well. I mean, giving back, we've had so many guests who have uh, just been empowered and uh, successful because they, their whole emphasis is on 
uh, trying to help others more than themselves. And obviously that karma comes back, hopefully, in your favor. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm just writing down, there's definitely some people I think that you'll find interesting that have been on this show. Um, I'm thinking of uh, one of the guests who has uh, created these little identification uh, stamps that you put onto your uh, phone and uh, can almost act as uh, either a payment process or uh, some uh, unique way of uh, redeeming uh, vouchers. Um, and uh, and that was because a lot of the point of sales terminals, he was saying, which is so ancient around the world, you know, that the retailers are using these point of sale systems that uh, have code in them that are from the 1970s. And uh, so his solution was uh, plastic stamps. Um, have you found a lot of challenges with trying to uh, innovate when you talked about uh, that uh, example of point of sales? He's spot on in terms of what the problem in the ecosystem is. There's an enormous abundance of legacy systems out there, which is why we developed the technology that we did develop. Our entire technology is based on ultrasonic sound. That means that we're using the inaudible length of sound waves, whatever the human ear cannot hear. And at the end of the day, if you look at a POS, if you take away the swipe, and if you take away the nice packaging, you have a PC inside, and that PC has microphone and audio capabilities. So the reason we can talk to any device out there is that we're looking to find the lowest common technology denominator that exists in every single device. And you seem very well connected. You know, it's ironic that on the day that we're speaking uh, in my news feed, uh, I read about a company called uh, Ubeam and uh, they use sound, uh, but in a, in a way of uh, transmitting uh, electricity. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how that works. I mean, I can't wait for it. Basically, they're claiming that Ubeam are claiming that they can transmit uh, energy uh, and turn electricity, um, use sound somehow, and uh, then charge devices almost like a wi-fi system so that you no longer need to plug the devices in you could just walk around your house and have these charging um have you come across that kind of technology i haven't yet heard about it for using sound in order to do this i do know a bunch of companies who do wireless charging solutions using wi-fi um but sound is new Right, okay. UBM, I will definitely check out. I, I love the future, don't you? I mean, I, I just want it to be here right now. That's one of my biggest um, pain points is that wires everywhere. And when we get rid of wires, it's going to be great. So one of the things we like to do on this show, Ryan, because I know that we want to um, uh, wrap this up in about 10 minutes. Uh, what we like to do is we like to try and develop uh, new ideas uh, because we have an Appster tribe who potentially could uh, develop um, from these these apps that we come up with. So I was going to ask you just outright, you know, given that you're into transparency and sharing, have you thought of any app ideas that you um, uh, I think would be great and disruptive? And um, if you haven't got an idea, then we've got another way of fleshing it out from you. Well, I'll actually share with you my idea. <laughs> okay. Um, we promise to keep not... it secret. Shoo, <laughs> uh, shoo. No one will hear about this beyond you. Um, it's actually not exactly an app, but it is something that um, in discussions with people from the industry is starting to become an issue. Um, Prontoly is essentially an API. An SDK is an API at the end of the day. And a while ago, I think roughly a month and a half ago, I wrote an article for a publication here in Israel called Geek Time about what are the soft criteria that you need to take into account whenever you're selecting an API or an SDK to integrate into your application. 
So we had a bunch of things in there like pricing and like privacy policy and all those things you should look at and check out. And one of the things that came up when I was talking to developers and especially when I was talking to companies that specialize in in the wild testing was that we're starting to see a new problem in the industry is that all of a sudden the status quo for the number of APIs and SDKs within application is growing exponentially. So if four years ago you had maybe one, today you have at least four. And not all of these APIs are designed to work with each other. So as a company, obviously one of the things that we specialize in is that our API is scalable, that it knows how to optimize within your app, that we don't take away space, that we don't take away speed. But we've tested these within applications. And now there's a new problem coming up saying you have an overabundance of SDKs and APIs in the same application with each other. And no one has ever tested to see how they impact on the overall life of the application. So that, that's a new problem coming around that will be extremely interesting to see someone solve. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's almost like the weakest link uh, in, in um, an app. As soon as an API exactly. stops working, uh, that's the, the app going to start crashing and, uh, or not functioning properly. And that's all because of yeah, the weakest link. Oh, I like it. Uh, okay, so there you go. There's the uh, challenge for today. And uh, you've given us our homework to look at. It's a big challenge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're up for big challenges on the show. It's a big challenge. It's most likely like a multi-million dollar exit at some point. <laughs> yeah, I should think so. Uh, which some 18-year-old will probably solve, I'm sure. Uh, so the other thing we like to do is just find out how you get through the day using apps yourself. And if there's any uh, apps, maybe one or two that you think uh, will be uh, something unique to us then I would love to hear hear what you use. Um, what, what phone do you carry around? I am waiting for the iPhone 6. So at the moment, I'm with the iPhone 4S. Uh, uh, oh, we're going to have to ask you, have you got any insider tips on what we're likely to see with the I iPhone 6? I don't know. I'm. If you would have asked me a few years ago, I would have said Apple forever. But slowly, I'm starting to reconsider my view on that point. So mm. it's not what it used to be. Yeah, well, I guess the co competition is caught up. And uh, I know a few years ago it was uh, only Apple. But, uh, you know, I've, I've uh, seen how easy it is. Uh, there's, there's a small transition period, isn't it, to Android. But uh, uh, I still own a, an iPhone. But uh, as you say, yeah, I think well, it's not as good as it used to be. Uh, yeah, I'm comment. starting to consider it, starting to really consider moving over into the Android world. Yeah, but they'll come out with some uh, iPhone 6 that will be wireless charged and uh, it will um, make your breakfast or do something uh, <laughs> and uh, you'll just end up buying it because you've bought the others. <laughs> Most likely, actually. It's sad, but I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what apps then do you have on your uh, current iPhone, just one or two that you think would be useful for us to do, sort of have in our business or personal life? I would say that the app I have on my iPhone that is most used is Sunrise Calendar. Uh, it's, it's just the calendar. There are no competitors out there as far as I'm concerned. This is the absolute best calendar that you can find. I mean, it goes into my Gmail and it goes into my LinkedIn and it knows how to connect automatically. And it's such, such an advil for this networking age. I'm going to download it straight away. That's Sunrise Calendar. Yeah. 
It's a really, really amazing calendar app. I love the the UX and the UI in here. It's intuitive. It's it's a little bit not looking at a calendar the way a calendar is the ones you we used to buy once upon a time in bookstores. Well, that is a great suggestion. So if anyone um, wants to have a link to that, they just go to uh, theappguy.co and uh, visit my website, search for uh, episode 134 with um, Moran, and uh, you'll find a link to the, that app and other things that we've discussed. So um, as we wrap this up then in the last uh, few minutes, um, there are people listening to this right now who uh, maybe want to change and uh, are looking to work at a startup. Uh, what uh, guidance can you give uh, any young people or uh, older people, because uh, I'm old, <laughs> uh, w- any guidance to um, approaching startups and, uh, you know, really, I guess, what what benefit would be uh, to make a change in their lives? I'm not sure if I can answer the last part of the question. I mean, making a change in your life is is a personal decision. It has to do with how you feel, not not anything else. But in terms of reaching out to a startup, um, I'm obviously going to address this from a marketer's point of view. I would say it's probably one of the easiest fields to reach out to, not because our content isn't hard, but because you don't really have to have traditional schooling in order to get there. There are so many wonderful resources on the internet um, from HubSpot that offers free marketing material and free tutorials to Social Media Examiner to Buffer and a lot of these tools are free so if you if you essentially have the patience to sit down and to learn and to listen to other people then then it's totally doable because all of this material is free it's online and it's constantly changing and and I think it's anyone who really does want to move over into marketing has a good chance of doing it if they, if they think they're a creative person if they think that they're someone who can think out of the box then it's just a matter of acquiring the correct tools. I love that um, that observation, and uh, you know, in terms of you can learn something new on the internet. You don't need traditional schooling. I mean, I came out from university uh, with, um, I guess, a degree in advertising and marketing and sales, and ended up going into finance. And then I didn't need to go back to university to enter this world, this innovative app world, because I could just pick up my laptop and learn, learn on resources like lynda.com. And as you say, HubSpot and all these other wonderful resources out there that teach us. And actually, ironically, you know, I was thinking for a long time that a lot of the stuff I'm learning is completely impractical because, uh, you know, who on earth would want to know how to market on Twitter or to connect on social media or, or all these things that we learn as we're doing our day to day um, entrepreneurial journey but now you know in this digital world that's becoming more digital it's becoming more apparent that we need these skills and they're not taught in university and so it becomes like a rare commodity so uh, I love that Moran that's great um, how can be- people best reach out and connect to you um, I think I'll probably just send you over all my contact details and then that would be the easiest <laughs> no absolutely yeah great that would be great so yeah and uh uh, so for listeners, then just go and check out my website and then there'll be connections to Moran um, on the um, on the App Guy uh, episode 134. It just leaves me to say thank you so much. This has been a wonderful journey I've taken with you. I feel like we've, we can cover a lot of ground. And so we'd love to have you back at any time you want to. And uh, in the meantime, just leaves me to say thanks for coming on the App Guy podcast. And we wish you all the best with uh, all the stuff that you're getting up to at Prontily. 
Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. And I hope that someone, you know, picked up at least one nugget of information from what I said today. Well, that's already taken because I did. So uh, <laughs> I've done more than that. I'm going to be, I'm basically starting that AP, well, Sunrise Calendar. I'm going to be downloading that and I'm going to be working on that API problem. I think that's going to be a multi-million pound idea of just giving us there. So thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast 